Thanks to Harry's for supporting The Motley Fool. To get your free trial set, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, and shave gel, go to harrys.com fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, a podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. I'm your host, Vincent Chen, and it's Tuesday, August 22nd. If you heard the financial show yesterday with Gabby, you'll know that we're in the middle of our newest theme week, this time lovingly called We Said What?, Our goal this week is to circle back on instances when we made a mistake or made the wrong call so we can just talk about and see how things actually turned out for the companies involved. And to do that, joining me via uh, via Skype today is Fool.com contributor Dan Klein. Uh, Dan, are you prepared to reflect on some of our missteps from the show? (laughs) Well, when you think mistakes, you think me. So I, I'm more than happy to be here and ready to go. <laughs> you were uh, my easy target for today, but honestly, uh, I'm you know when I approached you about this show, you know, you immediately had a few instances in mind uh, for good ideas of things that we can revisit, uh, big stories uh, for those companies uh, when we talked about it the, uh, about them at the time. So we have two main examples uh, that I'd like to touch on, and our first one is from one year ago. Uh, last August, and that was when we dissected uh, Walmart's $3.3 billion acquisition of Jet.com. Um, Austin, if you could roll the tape, please. Well, we, we joked about this before, but one, I think Walmart's lighting money on fire here. I don't think there's anything that they couldn't have duplicated in six months for you know half a billion dollars. So they're spending a huge amount of money to get a guy. You know, and I get it. Mark Lore has been successful. He's been one of the few that has, you know, been able to compete with Amazon. But I don't see what Walmart's buying. So, Dan, I thought we should run with this clip because I thought it summed up our uh, thoughts, our ideas, pretty nicely from that episode. And to be clear, um, you know, we were both pretty bearish at the time on whether Jet.com and Mark Lore would be able to move the needle. For a company as big as Walmart, but we're about a year in, and the results so far seem pretty encouraging. I, here's the thing: at the time, I thought they were spending 3.3 billion for a company that was losing money that only had a billion dollars in sales. And I touched upon it in some print articles that what they were really buying was was Mark Lore, and that seemed crazy for 3.3 billion. But the reality is, he came in and brought a whole new way of thinking. He hasn't just changed how Walmart.com operates, but he's actually been given a free hand to integrate the stores and the digital operation, and they've made major changes. They're testing things like uh, pickup towers in stores, they're putting tablets in the hands of uh, associates in the stores so they can track orders, they're you, you know, actually having store associates do deliveries. They're just really operating like a startup, which is impressive for a company as big as Walmart. Yep. In Walmart's last reported quarter, uh, you know, this company saw growth of two percent, and this is in an environment where a lot of other big box stores and department stores that we've talked about on the show are getting hammered pretty hard, and that growth um, was based on. Um, Progress in their comparable uh, store sales and also in their store traffic. So it's you know the kind of progress that investors were hoping to see. And going back to that clip uh, that we just played, the development um, that I think has been generating a lot of buzz for Walmart as well from the most recent results was 60% growth in online sales and then their gross merchandise volume, which is the value of all the goods sold across the company's online marketplace, was up 67% year over year. So I feel like. If we had an unbiased third party sitting with us right now, they kind of turned to us and say, "Like, how about them apples for Walmart?" <laughs> well, I mean, 
they've done two things. So first, you know, Mark and the the Jet.com team came in and they went, we can't compete with Amazon Prime. So they got rid of their $50 shipping pass program and made all orders over $35 free two-day shipping. Now, the problem is they did that without having the infrastructure in place to really support it. So they threw open the floodgates and they they basically scotch taped things together. And it hasn't been been perfect. I, I bought a TV from Walmart that it that arrived smashed and it took me two and a half weeks to return it and about 17 phone calls. So they're not Amazon yet, but they absolutely have customers convinced that they're the viable alternative. And the reality is just like Amazon has its 200 whatever million Prime members, Walmart has a huge base of loyal customers, and maybe they're a little later to the game in digital, and Walmart's coming along and giving them a place to go, and clearly it's working. Yeah, and the thing to keep in mind, even with this Jet.com buyout, which was uh, the company's biggest deal in terms of its e-commerce efforts, but Walmart has been buying up other online-focused businesses. Um, Some of the smaller ones uh, that I've seen include Moose Jaw, uh, Bonobos, and Shubai. So the more companies, ultimately, that they bring under their umbrella, there's, of course, some integration risk, but at the same time, they get a lot of people and products and mindset, I think, that they want for this online uh, push that they're making. And I think that mindset is really what's so uh, important for them to make the progress that investors want to see. And Mark Lohr, uh, in the approximately one year since joining the company, has shown how aggressive he's willing to be and how necessary that is in what is essentially an arms race right now in e-commerce. So I saw Mark speak last year at Shop Talk, and he talked a lot about how he'd been given a free hand by Doug McMillan, the CEO of Walmart, to to bring in digital first people, to change how the thinking was. So when you buy some of these little startups and you get people that maybe don't have a traditional retail background, you're injecting this whole new kind of life. Now, at a lot of companies, that's gonna clash really hard with the old liners, the people who've always done it one way. But at Walmart, it does seem like they're taking it very seriously that they have to become an omni-channel company. And that really means putting customers first and getting people product however they want it. If they wanna order online and pick up in store, if they want to have it delivered at home but return it in store, if they want to deal with a person or not, or however it goes. And it's going to take time, but they're really, really quickly getting there. Yeah. And I know your personal experience recently in terms of shopping online with the company wasn't as good, but I actually just made a purchase yesterday for a new fishing rod. And it was interesting to see all the different options that they have for fulfillment. Um, you know, you can make a smaller purchase and pay shipping, but then, uh, as you mentioned, you can spend more than $35, you get free delivery, you can have items shipped to your local store for free pickup. And so, uh, I remember uh, Lord said something about how if 9 out of 10 people in this country uh, live within 10 miles of Walmart store, an option like free in-store pickup, it's not a bad option. And, and the company has seen success in this area uh, before with, uh, some, with some of the other efforts that they've instituted, like I- curbside pickup for groceries, too. Yeah, I think my problem was a growing pain issue. So I bought a 55-inch television, and I had it delivered because it didn't fit in any of my cars. So one of the options to return it was to return it to the store. Uh. But I couldn't return it to the store for the same reason I couldn't have it pick it up from the store. So it was at a location that I don't that I don't live full time at our vacation home. So there was a huge sort of disconnect in their process. And I think the reality is Amazon was engineered ground up 
as an online delivery company. So their systems are nearly flawless. It's going to take Walmart time to get there. What I'd like to see happen is to have more of a way for when there is a problem to to expedite that claim, to bounce it up the chain and have some dedicated problem solvers. I think if I had tweeted at them, I probably would have got a more personal response. Instead, I was just getting the sort of call center script and my problem didn't fit the script. So it was very difficult. But I don't use that to fault their entire delivery system. I think that's probably an example of an anomaly that they're going to have to figure out. Mm-hmm. Last couple things uh, I'll touch on is in terms of just product selection as well. Um, the company said it now offers about 67 million SKUs. Those are stock stock keeping units uh, on its online marketplace. So meanwhile, uh, on the other uh, end of the spectrum, Amazon, you know, in terms of competition, offers an estimated 400 million products from what I could find. So that's a huge gap still. But I think it's, there's it's not though because like the there's still plenty is, of room for. You know this e-commerce trend to run broadly, and I, it's still ten percent of less than ten percent of spending. So Walmart right now, you know, kind of staking their claim early is the right move. But do you, do you need seventeen kinds of diapers, or is just four okay? Fair. Yeah. So um, all in all, uh, going back to our original call when we talked about this story, it might be too soon, I think, to declare that Jet.com. Uh, that the acquisition was a huge slam dunk with a positive return on investment and everything, but the initial results are are pretty encouraging, and it does appear that you know Walmart has been able to pull someone from outside the company uh, to drive these efforts, and who has the vision and experience in uh, e-commerce uh, in Mark Lore to really ramp up growth in this space. So up next, we'll actually talk about a missed call that we had with Amazon itself. Uh, but before we do that. Thanks again to Harry's for supporting The Motley Fool and Industry Focus. Harry's razors and creams have been my go-to products for well over a year now, and that's easily the longest I can remember sticking with the same shaving system. My electric razors, my safety razors, and everything else have either gone in the trash or just sitting around collecting dust, um, because I'm about as far as you can get from being a morning person, so when I wake up, I just want to be able to get ready and out the door as quickly as possible. Part of that means having the right routine, and when I shave, I want it to be a quick and simple process. Harry's won me over with a fast, close, and comfortable shave, one that I can get even when I'm half asleep, and then the sharp blades and the great shaving cream are key to that. To get your own free trial set and start shaving with Harry's today, and a free trial set includes a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, and shave gel, a $13 value, go to harrys.com fool. Harry's is so confident you'll love their products that they're offering foolish listeners that shaving set for free. Just pay $3 for shipping. Again, go to harrys.com fool. So looking back now at November 2016, uh, we talked about Amazon and its potentially massive brick-and-mortar expansion. So there was buzz at the time that with some of the pilot stores and the results, the positive results that the company had seen, it was ready to really hit the gas and aggressively expand, um, as Amazon is known to do. So, Austin, can you play back the clip for us? So, uh, just to give uh, everyone a little bit of detail, you mentioned 2,000 locations. So, uh, based on the current planning, uh, the company sees if the test is successful... And this is wildly speculative in yeah. terms of where we are. Uh, the company sees a potential rollout of 200 store openings per year. So, we threw some caveats 
uh, <laughs> in this episode when we first discussed the idea of 2,000 Amazon Amazon stores being opened uh, with potentially 200 store openings per year. But obviously, in the year since, Bezos and his team have taken a pretty different approach. They'd rather just cut a $13 billion check for an established brand instead. Uh, so you know, the Whole Foods market I, buyout. I got- I got this spectacularly wrong. Like, yes, we had caveats, <laughs> but my my exception was I thought they were going to buy something else. I really thought Amazon was going to go out there and buy Radio Shack and have thousands of stores and that great retail footprint, and that the whole reason they were testing all this stuff was for that. And that, of course, proved to be horribly wrong. And I did not see Whole Foods coming at all. So uh, the Whole Foods market buyout. You know, for you and for me, and most of the market was a huge surprise. Um, but what do you think about that strategy, though? So they're buying f- about 500 uh, plus stores outright that are ready to go, um, versus you know what we had talked about during the show: this idea of building out your uh, store network more gradually, but at least you're building it out the, exactly the way you want it. What do you think? I, I, th- I think they could use a, a hub and spoke model. You know, they have these stores, and you've been in a Whole Foods. They're not small. They also already cater to an Amazon-like customer base. So it's reasonable to think if they're going to add, you know, what they call the Amazon Go store, which is these little convenience stores, that having these distribution centers, these larger locations, can help not only serve Amazon customers but also these smaller stores. So I think this is a smart step to sort of jumpstart their pipeline and buy a company that is making money, that jibes really well with their customer base, and sort of gives them a foothold and lets them experiment. They can try out new technology much faster. They can really be in the space instead of having to sort of reinvent the space. Yeah. So the deal uh, is expected to close in the second half of this year, and Whole Foods actually reported uh, a, uh, its latest quarter of results, and it might be its last quarter of results as a public company. Um, this was about a month ago uh, when it released its earnings. So some signs of improvement in that report, but overall, you know, comparable sales, uh, comparable sales were still negative. Profitability is still getting squeezed. Um, that's been the story for quite a few years now, and I and why the stock was down about fifty percent from previous highs. And you know, net margin, for example, for the last twelve months is down to two point four percent, which is much closer to uh, what is uh, seen by the company's peer group. Whereas in the past, you know, that net margin was at four percent or higher. Um, kind of the premium that Whole Foods was able to command and enjoy, but. Uh, in terms of changes we might see, let's say it's this time next year, and Whole Foods, uh, the acquisition is closed, they're well on into the process of integrating the stores. What are some things that you think you might see in terms of, as a customer, uh, in well, stores at Amazon? You're not going to see it, but Whole Foods is going to lower its cost just by having the added bu- buying power of Amazon. I think you'll see a slight shift in merchandise. Amazon has an enormous database. They use this to staff their regional warehouses to know what you want in each market. So if they realize that the customers at a Whole Foods in Seattle are buying a lot of, I don't know, iPhone chargers, well, they're going to stock iPhone chargers in that store even if they didn't previously. So they're going to be able to use data to refine what they sell 
and that's going to be noticeable. I think you're also going to see integration with Amazon ordering and delivery. It might not be like Walmart. It might not be full returns and pickups, but you'll see Amazon lockers or some other ability, especially in city locations where there's a lot of Whole Foods, where it's not. if you don't live in a doorman building, it's hard to get an Amazon delivery. And I think you're going to see Whole Foods fill some of that gap. Yep, I can definitely imagine. Um, you know, as this integration happens, uh, just making use as well of all of the information on customers that Whole Foods will be able to offer, and then at the store locations themselves, and then the brand power too. I think, despite some of the decline the company's seen in terms of uh, its share price and just its business overall, uh, Whole Foods still has that that strong reputation and following among its its loyal customers. Um, yeah, and I think Amazon can cut into some of the whole paycheck argument. You know, if, if if they start bringing in some of the Amazon Basics products, some more house lines, and really work to not have some of the really dumb overpriced things that sort of get people mad at Whole Foods, I think they could smooth some of that out and kind of loan some of the Amazon sheen to Whole Foods while taking some of the Whole Foods kind of upscale and and giving it to Amazon. So it really is a nice marriage. Yep. And last point I'll make on this is, uh, you know, the, with those 500 or so Whole Foods locations to work with, um, probably uh, enough, I think, for Bezos and his team to kind of experiment uh, going forward. But there's still the potential with some of those other pallet stores that they have in terms of the bookstores, convenience stores that you mentioned, the automated stores where there's no uh, you know, checkout lines. You know, those are still things that could come up further down the line. Um, I just think. Whole Foods I, is, I think you're is, seeing the bookstores already. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a handful of them out there. There's a another group of malls that have Amazon kiosks. Interestingly enough, where Microsoft kiosks used to be before full-on Microsoft stores went in those malls. So I don't think they're going to roll out in a thousand malls because I don't think you know which malls are going to exist a few years from now. But you are going to see a lot more Amazon bookstores, and I think you're going to see convenience stores, you know, located. In markets where Whole Foods is maybe a once a month drive instead of a once a week stop, and they're going to sort of use the two to support each other. Okay. All right. So we have a couple minutes here to close out on one last example. <laughs> and uh, I won't roll out a specific soundbite uh, in this case, Dan, but uh, any fools who've heard us cover restaurants in the past and some trends, one of those is delivery. And they've probably heard that you're pretty pessimistic on delivery, um, at least as a major growth lever for companies beyond kind of the established uh, businesses like a Domino's. And specifically, you've mentioned how McDonald's kind of in a push for growth and innovation was uh, testing with uh, delivery itself. And I agree with you in general that fries, that their fries and burgers just are not as good after sitting around for 20 or 30 minutes in the delivery car. But management, it appears, has been pretty happy with the results they're seeing so far. This is one of those areas where I'm wrong, and I'd make the same argument again. It's like Domino's. I keep expecting at some point people are going to realize this pizza's not very good. <laughs> and while it might be slightly harder to get, there's pizza down the street anywhere, almost anywhere, maybe not Chicago, but almost anywhere that's better than Domino's. And with McDonald's, 
they're going on the Domino's model. They're saying, look, we don't care how well a Big Mac travels. We don't care if Chicken McNuggets are inedible 60 seconds after they come out of the fryer. <laughs> we are going to deliver them and make it super duper convenient. You'll probably just have to send an emoji of uh, Grimace and they'll know what your order is and be able to bring it to you. And that's what Domino's has done. And in the locations where McDonald's has been testing delivery, it's worked stupendously well. Checks are bigger. People are ordering more often. And it's it's amazing to me as someone who clearly likes to eat that convenience would be more important to people than quality. And we're not even talking that much added convenience. It's only a little easier to get Domino's versus your local pizza place. Yeah, but that convenience, I think that convenience, that consistent uh, you know that consistent quality and experience, and also the familiarity are the are the reason why these companies like this exist. If you're, you're looking at a really big picture, and the thing with the delivery that surprised me is that the scale of the company's testing and the rollout for delivery so far is much bigger than I thought. It's now available at almost eight thousand restaurant locations in nearly fifty countries. And what you mentioned about the bigger checks, I think management said that check sizes for restaurants that do offer delivery, they're seeing them higher by one and a have to two times, so a pretty substantial boost. The kind of thing that you know, I'm sure investors are, are hoping to see because you know, all day breakfast provided a huge boost uh, a year or two ago, and now they need some of these more consistent innovations with uh, the premium burgers, for example, and then some drink offerings that they're making to keep growth uh, coming and for it to be a consistent thing. But um, with the digital efforts, also like mobile order and pay, uh, overall comparable sales for the U.S. Uh, for McDonald's were up about four percent last quarter. So there are plenty of other fast food and fast casual chains right now that are posting negative comps, and McDonald's was seeing red itself just a couple years ago. But um, with all that in mind, are you still bearish on potential well, stuff like this? <laughs> I'm not, because history has shown out with Domino's that being the first mover with the best technology, once you have the McDonald's app and your order preferences are stored, I, I, I'm the same way with the Starbucks app. Even though I could go to Capital One, which has a Pete's Cafe where I pay half price because I'm a member, a lot of times I go to Starbucks, they're about three storefronts apart from each other, because I can order in my uh, app, not have to talk to a human being, not have to get a <laughs> card out. I actually pay more money to, to go to Starbucks. Both have comparable Wi-Fi, everything else is, is pretty much equal. And the added convenience of Starbucks is worth paying more. And even if Pete's slash Capital One were to launch an app that was similar, I'm not sure I want another app in my phone. For a while, I had the Dunkin' Donuts app in my phone, but it didn't have a credit card, and it wasn't that easy. And so once you get it, McDonald's gets that real estate from you. It's going to be very hard for even a better burger chain to fight their way in. And, and the one thing McDonald's is doing really well is they are doubling down on technology and convenience and making it super easy. So while I think it's ridiculous, to, I think getting takeout from McDonald's is preposterous. You have to eat it there. But this is clearly going to work because people don't care. They'll eat soggy fries at a lousy burger as long as it's easy to get. All right. Well, I say we give it um, another six months, maybe a year, and I'm sure we'll have another chance to check in to see how some of these various efforts, including delivery, but also some of their technology with the kiosks and the mobile order and pay, which the company's also seen strong results with, see how those are, are driving things in terms of, uh, you know, in that next year. So, Dan, uh, thanks again uh, for joining us and taking some hits with me today. Thanks for having me. Um, thanks, fools, for tuning in. Uh, the rest of the industry focus crew will share their "We Said What" moments this week, and we'll make sure uh, that we have some some 
good takeaways for you in, in instances where you know sometimes we make our missteps, but we're all learning together. People on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Molly Fool may have formal recommendations for or against any stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear during the program. Full on. 